well, what if I don't have little people running around my house anymore? Uh, what if the nest is empty? What difference does any of this make to me? Well, I think for all of us, we can agree that the subject of priorities is a subject that impacts all of our lives, whether we got little people around the house or not. Even though we're going to be looking at this issue through the lens of parenting this morning, um, it's something that we can all um, connect with. Um, every day we're confronted with choices on how we're going to spend our time. Every day we're confronted with choices on how we're going to spend our money. Every day we're confronted with choices on who we're going to invest ourselves in. And so priorities is something that affects all of our lives. And so before you hang up the phone on the topic matter for the day, because parenting's thrown in there, know that there's something in this for all of us. Our text today is a very familiar story. It comes to us from Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Luke chapter 10. It's the story of Jesus at the home of Martha. Um, there's three characters that are kind of the main characters in the story. You got Martha, you got Jesus, and then you also have Mary. So as is our custom, I'm going to ask for you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 10, we'll be reading verses 38 through 42. Remember, we stand each and every week to be reminded that this is where truth comes from, that God's Word is the final arbiter of truth, that it doesn't matter what the folks think at your work, it doesn't matter what people think on Facebook, it doesn't matter what people think on the evening news, it's what God's Word has to say that's the final word in all issues relating to our lives. And so we stand each week to be reminded of that. Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading at verse 38. Let's read together. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You may be seated. Thank you so much. All right, so let's kind of walk into these verses together, taking a look at the subject of priorities. Verse 38 begins, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, we learn over in the Gospel of John that the particular village that he went to was a town called Bethany. We have a map for you here. We'll show you where this is. Bethany sits about four, maybe five miles due east of Jerusalem. If you can find Jerusalem on the northern tip of the Dead Sea, then go east and you run into Bethany. Bethany was a city where Jesus, where, where Lazarus was. And so this is Saturday before Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem on Sunday for Palm Sunday, coming into the last week of his life. And so he's just resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And he's at the home of Martha, Lazarus's brother. You can check the text. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I'm pretty sure. And so there's, uh, Jesus is gathered there. The disciples are gathered there. Martha's there. Mary's there. Lazarus, who just resurrected from the dead, is there. Um, and so all these folks are gathered together in the home of Martha. Verse 39. Martha had a sister named Mary. And Mary, she sat at the Lord's feet. She was hanging on Jesus' every word, listening, it says, to what Jesus had to say. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She has all these people at her house. Jesus is there, the, the, the high and honored guest. Her recently deceased, now back to life brother is there as well. Um, so they're having this meal in honor of him as well. The disciples are all gathered together. She's got a bunch of hungry men out in her living room. And so she's trying to put on a nice meal for all of these people. So Martha looks into the living room and she sees Mary, her sister, seated there and she's listening to what Jesus has to say. She's interacting with the disciples. She's a part of the conversation that's going on in the living room. Meanwhile, Martha, all by herself, 
in the kitchen with all the pots and pans and the boiling water and all the work that needs to be done and the tea that's being steeped. And she's doing all this stuff in preparation to try and feed all these people at her house. And so Martha is in there and she's, she, she peeks her head around the corner and she sees Mary. She goes back to her work. She peeks her head around the corner a little bit later and she goes back to her work. And so things are starting to brew and she's starting to boil inside. And finally she comes to a point where she just bursts out. She just walks in the room rather than tap Martha or Mary on the shoulder. Hey, how about you come in the kitchen to help me? She gets to the point where she finally boils over. She walks into the room and she just bursts out in front of everybody to her honored guest Jesus about her sister Martha. And she says, middle of verse 40, she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister who's sitting over here in the room, she'll be in the kitchen, who's sitting over here in the room has left me to do the work of feeding all these people by myself. I mean, tell her that she needs to get in there and help me. Can you say awkward? (laughs) Um, Martha really makes a scene. She goes over Mary's head. Rather than tap her on the shoulder and do this quietly, she goes in and bursts out in front of everybody and makes this big scene about how Mary's not doing and not helping her out like she wished she would. Can you imagine going over to somebody's house and the couple's in the kitchen and they're um, maybe helping prepare a meal while you and your spouse are in there in the other room waiting and they're coming back and forth and interacting with you and next thing you know, an argument bursts uh, bursts out in 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 the kitchen and then they come storming into the room, and they say to you, tell her she's wrong. Tell him how right I am. Can you imagine being put in that kind of a scenario? Well, that's where Jesus finds himself. And so what does Jesus decide to do? Well, look at verse 41. Here's what he says. He says, Martha, 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 Martha. Right. Yeah, I think sometimes we think Jesus is just this totally serious, stoic, all the time, you know, all, all, one time. I think he's inside. He's just trying to, he's wanting to burst out with laughter at her. He sees her. She comes in. Steam's coming out of her ears. She's totally red in the face. She's all upset. He's Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> and so he says, you're worried and clearly upset about many things. Verse 41, but only one thing is needed. And that's the thing that Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Please notice that Jesus didn't tell Martha that what she was doing was bad. Please notice that Jesus didn't tell Martha that what she was doing was wrong. Follow that? There's a difference here. As lots of times we want to scorn Martha for what she was doing and suggesting that what she was doing is bad. Jesus is not saying anything about that what she's doing is wrong or bad. In fact, it was a very honorable thing to want to provide a meal for all these people. I mean, imagine Lazarus, the guy's been dead for three days. He's probably pretty hungry, right? You see, Jesus' response to Martha is one, or is not one of good versus bad, but rather it's one of good versus best. Good versus best. A matter of picking the right priority in that moment. Jesus is basically saying, given the choices here, Mary has chosen the best choice. You've made a choice, and it's a good choice. Nothing wrong with the choice you've made. But there's an even better choice than that. And so Jesus' point here is it's not a matter of good versus bad, it's a matter of good versus best. All right, let's summarize. Luke chapter 10, Jesus doesn't condemn Martha for trying to put on a dinner for all these folks. That's a good thing. He simply challenges her to set priorities, to set her spiritual life and her spiritual well-being above everything else, to keep the main thing the main thing. He challenges her to not sacrifice what's best for something good. Okay? Well, that's our treatment of this text for today, and so that means it's time for us to ask the question we ask each week here, which is, what difference does all this make to my life? 
He said, Gordon, I'm not expecting Jesus over for dinner anytime soon. And, uh, you know, so what is it? How does this, what difference does any of this make to me? Well, let's talk about that. You see, I got a question for you. When you look at the story of Mary and Martha, which of the two characters in the story would you most identify with? And I know what you're thinking. Gordon, I really wish you hadn't asked that question. <laughs> and the reason why is because we know the answer to the question. We know about the busyness of Martha's life. We know about uh, needing to get the kids up and out the door in the morning and the day's chores that need to be done and dinner that needs to be, get, needs to be fixed and running back and forth to ball practice and homework and phone calls and school meetings and midweek church and piano lessons and doctor's appointments and grocery shopping and budgets and bills and all the sorts of things that have to be done. You say, yeah, you bet I can identify with Martha. I didn't even mention the laundry that had to be folded, the, the, the dishes that needed to be washed, the floors that needed to be vacuumed, the bathrooms that needed to be kept clean. I mean, how can any parent, especially you moms who, share the, who bear the lion's share of those things, how can any parent not feel like Martha at times? You say, Gordon, I'm exhausted just listening to that list of stuff that's going on in my life. So here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. The danger is that if we're not careful as Christian parents, if we're not careful as Christian parents, we can begin to go the way of Martha. We can begin to become so overwhelmed with doing good things for our family that we forget to do the best things for our family. Let me say that again. The danger is that if we are not careful as Christian parents, we can get overcome with doing good things for our family and neglect to do the best things. And the best thing Jesus says is to cultivate a personal walk with the Lord. The best thing that you can do for your family is to cultivate an ongoing and intimate walk with the Lord, is to seek after becoming a mom or dad or a Christian who works in, out in the workplace who has authenticity and depth in our daily walk with the Lord. The best thing that we can give to our children is to spend time with Jesus. Flip over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy is a letter written by Paul. Paul's in chains. He's moving toward probably the last weeks of his life. Um, Paul is in chains in Rome. He's awaiting his trial uh, before Nero Caesar, and he knows that it's not going to go well, and it doesn't end up going well for Paul. And so he's handing off the baton to young Timothy, um, Timothy who has been with him in planting many of the churches that Paul has planted all through Asia Minor. And so this is the second letter that he writes to his protege, and he says, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul writes, I have been reminded of your, that is Timothy's, sincere faith. I've been reminded of your sincere faith. And where did that faith come from? He says right there in the letter, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and also in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. What the Bible tells us here is that the reason why Timothy became a man after God's own heart the reason why he had a sincere faith is because of, because he grew up, Timothy grew up with a sincere, witnessing this sincere faith being lived out in his own home. He says that he, has, he had an authentic walk with God, and the reason for that was because his mom and his grandmom were reading their Bible daily, sharing their faith in Christ, seeking after God in prayer, relying in, on God in times of crisis, talking about God in their everyday conversations. In other words, Timothy grew up in a house where Jesus was an intimate part of their daily routine. You know, as Christian parents, I re I'm sure we realize that nobody has a greater platform 
to influence our children for Christ than we do. No matter what kind of friends they have, no matter what kind of a neighbor you've got, no matter how rotten or ungodly uh, folks may be in their life, no matter those things, as a Christian parent, our godly influence can overcome all of this. But remember Luke chapter, 10, Luke chapter 10, it's the key to everything. Luke chapter 10 taught us that without doing what Mary did, without deliberately setting aside time to be intimate with our Savior, we simply cannot maximize our position of influence in the life of our children. It always goes back to a daily quiet time. Are we spending time with Jesus? That's the best thing that we can do for our children. And let me tell you why. It's because as a parent, without spending consistent time with Jesus, we, won't, we simply won't have the reservoir of patience to deal with our children. It's because as a parent, without spending consistent time with Jesus, we simply won't have the tenderness that is needed to respond to our children in appropriate ways. It's because without spending consistent time with Jesus, we simply won't... Uh, have the personal spiritual health that's required to make the highest impression for God in the life of our children. Without consistent daily time with Jesus, we are unprepared to lead our children toward what Timothy had, a sincere faith. It always goes back to a daily quiet time. I used to have this saying many years back ago, and it went something like this. I used to say, when I don't spend time in quiet with Jesus, I'm unprepared to go meet the world. When I don't spend time with Jesus, I'm just no good for God that day. And here's what that meant to me. That meant that when I'm not spending time with Jesus, when I'm not quiet before the Lord, I spend my day trying to beat down my flesh. I spend my day wrestling my tongue into submission. I spend my day and my energies consumed trying not to be the person that I don't want to be. You see, when you spend time with Jesus consistently, when you spend time with Jesus, uh, who he is takes over who you are. His impulses, his motivations, his compassion, his patience, his sense of self-control. The joy that is in Jesus becomes the joy that lives in you. Paul put it like this, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul didn't mean literally he had been put on a cross. Paul meant that the old person that I used to be, with his impatience and his impulses towards striking out and the anger issues that Paul used to have, he says, all of that has gone. It's been crucified. It's behind me. I have been crucified with Christ. Now a new person lives. And what does this new person look like? It looks like Christ living inside of me. That's what he says there. In short, let me repeat something I said earlier. The best thing that any parent can do for their children is not to drive the carpool or even to fix gourmet meals for your family. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the best thing that you can do for your children, the best thing that you can do is to take time daily to cultivate a deep and authentic walk with God just like Mary did. One more thought and then I'm done. I read a lot of biographies back when I was in college. I had a professor that recommended several to me, and I would just kind of got on a roll where I was reading through a lot of these. And I've continued to peruse through those biographies, as you all may know, just haven't listened to me for some time um, over the years. And, and these biographies were of great men and women of God. And here's the pattern that I've noticed. Almost every single one of them, almost every single one of them, somewhere in their life had a godly mother or a godly grandmother. Now, not to disparage us guys, because we have a very important role to play in the lives of our children, but 
there was always a godly mother and a godly grandmother at every milepost along the way in the lives of those children. It was the case of, uh, in the case of the life of Isaac. It was in the case of the life of Jacob. It was this case in the life of Joseph and the case with Moses and with Samuel and with John the Baptist. All through the scriptures, at every milepost, there's always this godly mother, godly grandmother, who's there pouring into the lives of these men of God. Thinking more toward our day, this was the case with Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher in England. This was the case with John and Charles Wesley, with Francis Cro uh, Fanny Crosby, who, um, the great hymn writer, with Jim Elliott, who gave his life to reach the Aukin Indians of South America, and it was the case with Billy Graham. My point is this, that if you trace the hand of God down through the histories, or down through history, you will find godly parents, especially mothers and grandmothers, at every single milepost. So let me say this, that if you're a Christian parent here today, in spite of all the pressures that I know you feel, and those pressures are many, nevertheless, I'm here to challenge you with this simple point. Remember what Jesus said to Martha. He said, Mary has chosen what is better. She has chosen to put her spiritual life above all else. So friends, I'm here to ask you today to spend some time with the Lord Jesus. It's the best thing you can do with your, for your family. Let's pray together. Most gracious Lord, we thank you for speaking to us today from a simple story in the scriptures that illustrate the highest activity that we can spend in the course of our waking hours. And that is, Lord, to spend time with you. It always seems to go back to our daily quiet time. God, continue to draw us and make that a rich and prosperous time of our day. That, Lord, when we come before you, there is an intimacy that washes over us. There is a longing and a deliberacy within us to get to that quiet space. There are so many other things we could be doing, and some of them are really good things. But, Lord, you reminded us today in the Scriptures that the very best thing we can do is to spend that time in quiet with you. Lord, in these quiet moments of communion this morning, remind us of our priorities. Remind us of the heart that you want us as parents, as grandparents to have for the little ones who run around in our lives. Lord, speak to our hearts today. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Thank you.